Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Joining me again today is uh, Jaron and Chris. Thanks for being back with me, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. The Bible tells us that um, there are times when the congregation may have sick among them. In fact, James 5.14 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. We're, we're talking about visitation today, specifically whenever folks are ill. So let's just start out with a question here. Should a pastor do visitation to folks that are not feeling well? I think so. Uh, as much as he's able to, as much as it's appropriate in his ministry context, um, it's, you know, there are challenges depending on the size of the church and the age and health of the church and just the geographic distance between members and hospitals and everything else. So uh, there's not necessarily one size fits all there, I don't think, but, but in general, yeah, I think that's a, a good and right ministry. Yeah. I, you know, given the time here that we, we are in this year with, with COVID, it's definitely taken on a new light. Uh, and uh, definitely, I think, put some restrictions on the, visitation that probably we were all doing uh, up until this pandemic hit, but without a doubt, there's a, a, a time and a place for the, the pastor and the under-shepherd uh, to be uh, with the flock in times of, of pain, in times of distress, uh, in times of need. We we have sort of talked here a little bit about, and James points this out, says that the elders, elders is a word that's interchangeable with overseer or pastors of the church come and pray over them. Uh, we, we see this as a biblical mandate that James gives us here. It's a possibility for, for those in the church to use. Do you believe it's an expectation here in Appalachia that the pastor will be there whenever they're attending a church? And I think most churches in Appalachia are probably on the smaller side, hundred or less, 200 or less. Uh, do you think a lot in the culture here, that is an expectation? For sure. Uh, I remember not long after I had moved up to this region and started serving as a pastor here uh, in Appalachia, I had a deacon who was having a surgery. I had maybe been here a month to six weeks tops. And so I'm there at the hospital while the deacon is back in surgery, of course, I prayed with him before he went back and set out with his wife there in the surgery waiting room while he was, was taken back and the procedure happened. And I can remember a very clearly conversation that we had uh, that day sitting in the surgery waiting room uh, where she just made it clear. She said, I, I don't know how things were, uh, where you come from, but she said it means so much and it is really an expectation of people in our community and in our area that the pastor um, be at the hospital uh, to check on church members and especially uh, to pray with them before procedures. And so I was, you know, I'd already uh, learned that and was thankful that I was there that day for that, but I was also thankful for the reaffirmation and the advice that she was giving me uh, on just the culture here in this region. 
yeah, I had a similar conversation when I first came to my church here, a, a gentleman in the, in the congregation who's been very active for decades uh, as a deacon and, and in other areas of ministry. He, uh, he, he volunteered to show me around town and take me to visit a few of the members who weren't able to, to get out of their homes. And he said, I want you to know where they're at and I want you to have a chance to meet them face to face. And he said, uh, you know, everybody else in the church can visit, but sometimes they don't care if, if the pastor doesn't come. <laughs> so there is an expectation there. And, you know, just frankly, that that's an area of ministry that I'm not great at. Uh, you know, I think we're all suited for one element of ministry, maybe more so than, than another. And, and that's not one of my really strong suits, but I, I've had to sort of discipline myself in that way. And again, this year has thrown all that off. As Jaren said, everything has changed in terms of uh, visitation in homes and in hospitals. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's helpful uh, for them to know that you're there and that you care, and it's an opportunity for you to, um, you know, just provide a, an ear if they have questions about what they're going through or how they're trying to, um, I guess, understand what God's doing in their life and the sickness and the suffering and all that. So I think it's helpful in a number of ways, but I will say, even though there's a, there's a primary expectation for the pastor to be doing this, that's really the sort of thing that should be part of an every member ministry. I mean, there's no reason at all that other people shouldn't carry some of that burden. And one of the, one of the things that, that I have been most proud of uh, in my ministry is, has been times when I've gone to the hospital to visit somebody and there's already a couple church members in there. That, that no doubt. is a joy for me to see. Well, just to be clear, so that we may have some lay folks that are listening. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say this because I think it's true. Once a church reaches a size of 100 regular attenders on Sunday morning, it becomes nearly impossible for a pastor to make all of the visits. Now, we're, we're talking primarily about visiting the sick, but let me give you one example. Uh, one day I had a, a family who lost their mother and another family who also lost their mother within a day or two they had the funerals at the same day at the same time. Uh, another issue that we have is uh, surgeries that are scheduled same day, same time, or surgeries that are scheduled in three different cities, but are all the same day and they're all close in time and there would not be enough time to commute between the three. Sometimes you have to pick and choose which ones you can go to. And of course I'm speaking about a, a pre COVID visitation environment and eventually probably will be a post COVID uh, visitation environment. So, uh, and there are a lot of different types of, of visits. And so before we get into a little more practicality on how to do them, how do you know when you should go and when you shouldn't? For example, we've all had the email, the text, or the phone call. Pastor, I just want to let you know that uh, my great uncle Garland's going to be having a uh, toe surgery in the morning and uh, just wanted you to know, what does that mean? That means you you better reach out in some way to Garland <laughs> because they wouldn't have let you know if there wasn't some sort of desire or expectation for you to follow up in that. Yeah, definitely. They, they want to know that you care. Uh, they want to know that you care enough to reach out. They want to know that you care enough to uh, reach out even in such a way. My response would be uh, reaching out and saying, hey, I'm happy to come and be there. 
if uh, and to pray with you before this if you would like for me to and to put the ball in their court and to see how they would respond there if they say no it's just a toe surgery I don't need the pastor to be there then you take that opportunity to pray with them on the phone to let them know that you're going to be praying for them uh, when that surgery comes maybe you even send them a text that morning again letting them know that you're praying uh, but that's definitely uh, your invitation uh, to reach out and show them that you care I think it, it it calls for just an awareness of your congregation too. Like there are different personalities and different relationships that you have with different people. And so just knowing who it is and what, what their general temperament and expectations are, that can help you read those situations too. Yeah. For example, I have had uh, members of my church who are children of pastors. So they understand what a heavy load visitation can be on a pastor. So they will say, listen, I, I'm having this surgery. I don't want you to come. I just want you to pray. And they take that load off of you for that. And, um, you know, that's a blessing when that happens. Uh, there have been other times when I have gone and done visits to the hospital because there's almost, in my mind, there's almost three categories of sickness. There's like temporarily sick like people that have gone in the hospital because they've broken a leg or, you know, they're going to recover to full health. Then you have chronically sick. So these are people that are not necessarily dying at a fast rate, but that they, it doesn't appear they're going to stay well for a long period of time. And then you have terminally ill, which they're sick and they're not getting better. They're not going to get better. And do those, do those visits look different in each one of those scenarios you think brothers? Yeah, I would I would say so, uh, definitely, because you're going to have a different you're going to have a different goal uh, in some ways, probably the same main goal, but I guess different approaches to uh, the attitude of that visit, to what you want to share in that visit, how you're going to minister uh, in those different circumstances with those visits. Uh, for instance. And that's because you're approaching approaching in those visits uh, people that have are in three different places and their mindsets are going to be different. Uh, what they're looking forward to is going to be different. Their hope for the future is going to be different in each of those uh, things. And so for someone that's terminally ill, uh, you're going to go in uh, – with an attitude of, of comfort and support. Uh, uh, I would think an attitude of really wanting to make sure that you get to spend time uh, cherishing with them the things that they want to share with you, uh, but also praying for their strength and their perseverance and their continued trust in the Lord uh, with also making sure that uh, you remind them of the, the wonderful hope uh, that we have in Christ of what is to come. Uh, whereas that's going to be completely different for someone uh, that is dealing with a short-term uh, temporary illness and even different for the one that's more uh, chronic. So I don't know if you want to go into all three of those stages, but that would just be one way, I guess, that you would think about, especially someone that's got a terminal illness. And I would also say that you just, you want to be, uh, maybe we'll get into this here in a moment, but you want to kind of have a general idea in your mind of what you, what you want to do, what you hope to do, how you, how you hope to minister to them and the basics, I would say should pretty much be the same in, in any of those situations in terms of 
you know, you want to point them to the truth of God's word. You want to point them to his faithfulness and, and the hope that is there in him. And I think about that because I remember one gentleman in particular, um, he had a, a procedure scheduled at the hospital. Wasn't supposed to be a really big deal. Um, I debated on whether or not I should go that morning or just call and check in and for whatever reason decided to go. And so was at the hospital probably about seven o'clock that morning, spent some time with him and uh, his wife and, and prayed with them before they went back, things like that. And it ended up not going well. And, and that was my last conversation with him. So yeah. you never know when something like that can happen. And so you want to be able to, to say that, um, that you, you tried to steward that opportunity well, even if it turned out to be something you didn't expect. You know, I think one of the bigger struggles for me is um, I think I do okay with short-term illness folks and with terminal illness because I, I see the, the urgency in those. But the chronically ill is more of a struggle where they're, they're not necessarily dying, but they're not necessarily getting better. They're not going to be 100%. And they're just kind of, they're unfortunately, usually these are shut-ins that are kind of just dragging along uh, health-wise and, and a, in a kind of a holding pattern where they just don't generally feel well and are not, and are not probably not going to get much better, uh, but are still alive and still viable, you know what I mean? Uh, so, you know, you have to be, I think with that, you almost need like a visitation calendar where you set up and you, you try to make appointments. Now in this season of COVID people may not be welcoming of you at the door because uh, if they have a chronic illness condition, they may be more susceptible to COVID-19 and they don't know where you've been and you may not remember where you've been. So it'd be real hard to give an account of all that. Uh, so, you know, I would, I would challenge, particularly if you're a young pastor listening, you need to become disciplined with, staying in touch with those in all three categories and particularly pressing yourself, staying in touch with those with chronic illness uh, as well. Uh, let's talk about a little bit more clarity on do's and don'ts when you make these visits. All right. So um, <laughs> I'm going to give a really kind of funny one here to start out. Uh, when the doors closed at the hospital, don't open it. Uh, you need to either check at the nurse's station or you need to knock and be, and be ushered in. When I was a young pastor, one of my first experiences, a lady in our church, she had to be like 90. She was in the hospital and uh, uh, the door was kind of cracked, but it wasn't shut all the way. So I assumed it was okay to go in. Yeah, she was changing. And uh, I don't know who was more embarrassed, her or me. So if a door is mostly shut or all the way shut, don't come barging in, right? I had a similar experience. I did knock. Uh, the door was was pulled mostly shut. I knocked, uh, said, I don't know what I said. Can I come in or something like that? And and patient said yes, but they didn't recognize my voice and they thought it was the nurse. So it was not a moment where they wanted their pastor walking in and it was not a moment where I wanted to walk in, but I, I did not uh, uh, adequately identify myself. So yes, knock and make sure they know that it's you. And that's where even a phone call before beforehand can help to say, Hey, I'm, I'm planning to come by and visit you. You're going to be in your room. You're going to be up for a little talk, that sort of thing, because you never know. They, especially in the hospital, they may be downstairs for a test or something like that. So that's, that's a good idea. I guess if I was going to share my story on don'ts, it would be don't stand on oxygen lines. 
uh, first first visit I ever went to <laughs> was a staff person at a church. I went with the senior pastor. I had not been at that church long. There had been a member who, a lady who had been chronically ill and was now, uh, you know, in her last days, had a healthcare nurse there with her 24-7 at the house and her daughter. And I was nervous. I mean, first visit I'd ever been on like this. I was 22, I guess. And uh, after sitting down visiting for a while, of course, she was in a hospital bed there in her living room, uh, wearing oxygen all the time. And of course, they've got the line that runs from the tank across the floor up to the patient. And after we got done, the senior pastor just looked at me and on the spot says, why don't you pray for us? And so we all get up and myself, the pastor and the the lady's daughter are standing around the hospital bed holding hands and I'm praying and had no idea I was standing on the oxygen line but the whole time that I prayed I was standing there on the oxygen line said amen and looked up and she's there in the bed holding her oxygen line and I looked down and so that's a don't that is uh certainly an embarrassing story but just be mindful of all that's going on around you that was a lesson that I learned and by God's grace and not yeah, it could have been embarrassed myself in that particular way since then. I was wondering why she was changing colors. I didn't. <laughs> I thought the prayer was so good that she was just green with envy. <laughs> um, another, another don't in, and this probably people should know this, but I just don't sit in the bed with the patient. I've seen pastors do this sometimes. Uh, particularly if you have a terminally ill patient, do not, I would almost caution you to ask permission to touch them before you touch them because they could be in severe pain and a, a touch could actually hurt them more. I'm thinking of course of uh, terminally ill patients with like bone cancer. Bone cancer is very painful. And so when you touch those members uh, or those folks, uh, they may not welcome that. And if you're jostling them around in the bed, I know my grandfather would complain in his last days that he couldn't stand if anybody just touched the bed. Uh, so just be careful and not, not, um, not don't get in bed with them. Right. Don't, don't do that. Yeah. I would say another don't would be, don't, don't try to pretend like you're a medical doctor. Uh, you're not <laughs> most likely. So commenting on the severity of the, the illness or something like that, you probably don't need to try to do that. You don't need to try to say, well, my cousin had the same thing and here's what happened with him. You know, you don't, you don't want to give uh, any sort of false hope or, or uh, you know, bad expectations either. Yeah. He um, died from that two weeks later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to do that. Um, and you know, this might differ depending on where you're at and what your context is, but in a community like ours, uh, there are only a few hospitals that people are going to be at. And so it's likely that over time you'll have experience with, with patients who've had the same doctor. Don't, don't comment on their choice of doctor or the doctor that was assigned to them. Don't be like, Oh, I don't think he's the guy you want. You know, I mean, that, that's not your, that's not what you're there for. So. <laughs> All right. Any more don'ts you can think of? If not, let's, let's give some quick do's. Any more don'ts? All right. Here's one do that's very simple and very practical. Do pop in a mint or a piece of gum, preferably a mint because people don't like you to be chomping away. Uh, I know we have masks now, so the only person that smells your breath is you. But uh, 
if, when the masks come off, remember to freshen your breath before you get close to people in a hospital room. There's not a lot of room in those places. Mm. Any more dues? Uh, you know, especially in light of what's going on right now, I guess the do would be to not only with the mint, but make sure you wash your hands. You know, there's the hand sanitizer outside of almost every room. Always a good thing to use those just because, like you said, you know, especially if you've already been out doing visits that day, you could have been around someone else that's been sick. Uh, you don't want to carry in germs to someone who's already facing a battle there uh, in the hospital room or nursing home or whatever the visit might be for. Yeah, I would say do uh, direct their attention to the Lord. So I think even if it's going to be a quick visit, try if, if you can to just, you know, maybe read a short passage of scripture with them, remind them of the truth of God's word, take some time to pray with them and any family members who are there. And sometimes that's all that you need to do. Sometimes you don't need to, to hang around any longer than that. But there are times when it can be helpful and you just you have to know the person and be able to maybe read the situation a little bit but there are times when when somebody especially in a terminal case might want to talk a little bit more or might want to ask some questions about you know why god has let this happen and stuff like that so so just be prepared for that situation maybe um make sure that, that you know we're not going to have all the answers but make sure you've thought through kind of a theology of suffering and, and what is a, a pastorally responsible answer to a question like that? Um, and rely on the Holy Spirit. Uh, rely on his guidance in those situations. Uh, in addition to that, I would say do watch your time. Like Chris said a minute ago, I understand that a lot of a lot of folks you may go longer with, but you know, when I first got in the ministry, my mentoring pastor told me. 20 minutes is a mark. Once you hit that 20 minutes, judging on the situation, shouldn't try to go much over that. You got to remember this person's in a bed and they don't feel well. They may not feel like carrying on an hour and a half long conversation with you. Uh, and then another thing that I'm going to say in the do category is do permit moments of silence, right? Sometimes the patient may just want to sit back or the member may want to sit back, close their eyes and just be silent for a minute. And that's probably uncomfortable for a lot of people just to sit in silence with somebody in a hospital room, but I've had it happen several times and it's just kind of part of the deal, you know? Yeah. One thing that, uh, in light of what Chris said about do, uh, take them to the Lord and, uh, spend time with, with his word. One thing that I have found that's been, I've just seen the Lord use not only beneficial to me in those visits, but also it seems for the one you're visiting is to be able to perhaps even, uh, implement some scripture from what you've read that morning in your own quiet time. I know it's easy to take some scriptures that are just well known that are tailor made for going to make those kind of visits, but it's interesting to see how the Lord can take some verses that perhaps you've never thought about in the context of visitation, uh, but that you've spent time on that morning. And it's when you are able to take those verses and see how they minister to someone in that moment of need, it seems like the Lord places them deeper in your heart in a whole lot quicker way than just those mornings where you read through, you pray through, and you continue on your day. I, I guess that you seem to learn the scriptures uh, in a deeper, more meaningful way uh, when you think through in those unique times and days where you can use them to minister in a situation that arises on that day. Are there times that we need to turn our visit in the hospital evangelistic and make it very gospel centered. 
I would For say sure. yes. Yeah. I mean, well, every visit, every visit should be gospel centered if, if you're wanting to do any eternal good, but, but in terms of evangelistic focus, yes. Um, there will be times when you're called to visit someone that uh, is not as familiar. You know, maybe they're just connected to the church family, not really an individual that, you know, maybe you've not had a chance to hear their testimony or, or have that certainty that they really know the Lord. And, and that's a time, even if it's not a terminal illness, when they're suffering, when they're hurting, that's a time when their heart's probably a little more sensitive to eternal matters. And so, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking advantage of that opportunity. I think that's a way you steward it well is to turn their attention to the Lord and to, to try to find out where they are in terms of their relationship with him. And honestly, I think most people just, they expect that. I don't think you're going to offend them, right? If, if they know a pastor's coming to visit, I think they're going to probably expect that. And so don't, don't be fearful, I guess, of offending them in that situation. Yeah. You never know. You never know what the future holds. Uh, for you or the person that you're there visiting, uh, it might be very well your last opportunity to share the gospel uh, with the person you're there visiting. We had a church member who had a family member uh, not too many months ago that had spent some time in the ICU at a local hospital. He was not a believer uh, and never had an opportunity to visit him except for when he was in the hospital. He just didn't want to visit at his house. Uh, especially from a pastor, uh, but went to check on him that day and had the opportunity to share the gospel. And it was not very long after that, that he had gotten out of the hospital, was driving uh, to the grocery store one morning, pulled over on the side of the road and uh, never made it to the hospital after that. So you just never know uh, what, what lies ahead and how many more opportunities you might have left. This ministry of visiting the sick to me feels like um, when I was a kid, we used to go up to Boone Lake and look over the dam and, and how far of a drop it was, you know, and I was always afraid about going over the edge, even though we were safe, you know, uh, for the most part, we were safe. I mean, obviously somebody could have done something stupid, but uh, that's always a possibility. I've got a sticker from East Tennessee uh, ATV. It says, don't do anything stupid. So I, have, I have to put that up somewhere so I can remember that, but. Uh, I remember I was called in once for a hospital visit and it was a gentleman whose liver was failing and he had, had, a, had been an alcoholic for his whole life. And usually when I go in to visit people, I do many of the things we've already went over and I, I'll say, would you like to hear scripture? Is there a Psalm that I can read to you? And then I pray with him knowing that he is this close to going over the edge, right? This is like the, on that dam, like going right over the edge and it being over knowing he's at the doorstep of eternity, I completely flipped the script and I said, you know what? I'm going to share the gospel with this brother hard and fast right now. So I went in, brother, do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? No, I do not. And then I went in, God, you know, the gospel is basically the four-part message. God is holy. We are not. Jesus is the answer. Repent and believe. And I inserted the scriptures in with that. I talked about how creation, fall, redemption, consummation. I gave him the big picture of the gospel. When I got done with that, I said, now, will you respond? Will you trust Christ now? And he looked at me and said, no, I won't. I said, brother, I don't think you're hearing me. And I went through the whole thing with him again. 
I gave him the gospel twice. And when I got done the second time, I said, brother, now will you respond? Won't, won't you heed Christ's call and accept grace and mercy? Won't you face death now with confidence? And he looked right at me and said, no, I won't. Mm. That, that visit still haunts me. And I'm, I, I don't know if that man made it right with the Lord after I left. You know, he, he knew what to do repent and believe and put his full faith and trust in Christ. But uh, it it can be heartbreaking sometimes when you see that happening. Uh, But I also thought about this, how merciful of God to send someone at the end to give the gospel to this brother one, one time, one last time that he would hear the gospel Uh, not just once, but twice, you know? And so in some ways, Visiting the sick can be a last line of defense before people slip into eternity. Mm. Mm. All right, brothers, any closing thoughts? We're actually out of time. Can you believe that? This episode went fast, didn't it? So, They always do. I would just say, to kind of piggyback off what I mentioned earlier, this, this is an element of ministry. While, while there's reason for the pastor to be involved in this work, there's also reason to equip and train others to be involved in this work as well, especially if if you are in a church where it's not realistic or or at least very difficult for you to to bear the full weight of that. Um, maybe you've got some some lay leaders, maybe it's your deacons, you know, whoever it is that you can equip to share that burden with you and uh, and and see it spread throughout the church so that they're really caring for each other in that way. I think that'd be a blessing for any church. All right, brothers. Thank you all for your time. Hope this has been beneficial for you here at the Appalachian Baptist Network. Don't forget to tune in next week as we continue to uh, go over topics that are both engaging in church revitalization and ministry here in the mountains. Thank you guys for being with us again today. And uh, all our listeners have a wonderful, and as we said in the last episode, be thankful and rejoice for all the health and blessing that you have. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian-Baptist-Network. Join us again next Monday.